I would be Go on Weight Watchers, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess. Today is March 28, 2020, live from the Live Dudes Bunker via Skype. My name is Jay Mack, host of the sexiest podcast allowed by law. Joined virtually by the great and famous Suede for many reasons of which we will get into here in a minute. <laughs> How's that for an intro, motherfucker? Uh, that's quite a quite an intro there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're expecting great thi- great things from you this evening, sir. Oh, well, uh, how long do you got? <laughs> All fucking night. If you would like to get the show, you can do that on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Look us up on Facebook. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you love us or hate us or think we're fucking stupid. Okay, I'm just going to give a little heads up before we get rolling all the way. At the end, instead of an outtake, I've got an interview with our listener, my friend Scott from New Hampshire, and he gives us a little update from the East Coast. So when you hear Marvin Gaye come on, let's get it on. Just just let it play because there's a like, I guess it's kind of like a, a podcast Easter egg of sorts. So, Suede, give us the update from the West Coast. I mean, that's one of the reasons we're doing this shit. I mean, uh, to keep sane, but also just yeah. kind of to give give our listeners kind of a, a nationwide perspective on this pandemic. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit. I'm not going to talk over you. You do have somebody there with you. If she wants to say something, that would be more than fine if she wants to remain silent. That will also be fine. And then we're going to get into a little bit of uh, youth group action. So give us the update from the West Coast, sir. Go now. No pressure. All right. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. Uh, the youth group. Okay. All right. I'll be ready to talk about something like that. But uh, what, what have we got going on here? I mean, hey, man, it's been um, – we've kind of had this going on for a little bit at this point. It seems like everybody is, is trying to stay safe and safe and sound. There was a point uh, a little while ago where people weren't taking it as serious, but uh, I think overall people are, and we're just trying to, uh, uh, you know, just keep a positive outlook, work on what we can, and, uh, you know, get get some air every once in a while. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't been out too much to see what the general feeling is uh, in L.A. right, right now. Um, but I think things are just rolling along, and everybody is uh, trying to stay safe. Are you on lockdown? <clears throat> and what does that mean if you are on lockdown? So um, well, I'm certainly not the authority in all of the uh, the details of that. Um, but uh, I understand it to be like we we only leave. Uh, we can leave the house at this point for things that are essential. Um, like going to the grocery store, if people want to do that. Um, I believe banks are still classified as essential services. Um, there's a few other things like gas stations, things like that. You can go out and get what you need, you need done, but uh, you do need to exercise caution. This is, dude, this is crazy time. <laughs> like I don't even know. This is a, this is when they say it's unprecedented. It really is. I don't think we've ever experienced something quite like this. And so, you know, uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, at least once a day, we try to get out and and take a walk. Uh, get some sun, some sunlight, and uh, it's really helping, man. And uh, doing doing things like this is pretty awesome too. I love that we can still collaborate and do things um, from a distance. It almost seems like hooking back up and kind of working to, working together 
over the last year and a half was almost kind of setting it up to be able to do this at this point. Would you agree? Absolutely. Now, what I did see was, I, I know you're not in San Francisco, but I saw roving bands of coyotes have taken over the streets of San Francisco. Are you seeing anything like that? Because I mean, I'm getting this like I am legend thing. Yeah, is, is it is it yeah. is it that bad? It's not that bad here uh, in San Fernando Valley. Um, but let's talk about coyotes for just one second. I mean, that is one of the fucking craziest things about moving out here that I wasn't uh, ready for um, before I started looking into it. That's a real thing. Just in everyday life, coyotes. I don't know if you knew that. Um, it's like coyotes are these creatures who like have a symbiosis in a sense with humans where they follow them around. It's like the only group of animals that is known to follow humans that I know of. And um, and so they've evolved over the years to kind of pick up the scraps and be ready for things for people here. And people get like their little dogs snatched away from them, just walking them on the street. And people get followed by packs of coyotes anyway. Um, but I would, which is crazy. We should talk about that sometime. But it hasn't changed from what it was a few weeks ago at this point. I'm not seeing like coyotes walking around everywhere. Every once in a while we'll see one. It, I haven't even seen one recently. So um, I think it's about the same. It's not impossible. It's not like we're being overrun by monkeys or anything like that, like other <laughs> parts of the world. <laughs> well, I mean, we live but, with, uh, I, <laughs> I live, we live in St. Charles here, which is kind of a, I mean, it's not a rural era, area, but there's a lot of woods. So coyotes are more, We, I mean, I, where I walk sometimes in the morning, there are, I found a coyote ear, which is kind of weird. Apparently, they got in a fight, and one of them ripped an what? ear off. Yeah, it was fucking weird. So, I mean, I, like I said, I really don't know how much. Like, I want to see that. Well, like, you log on to Yahoo News, and it's like, get here, It's like, I mean, I know it's serious. I mean, I know it is serious, but there's there's a part of me that feels like there's money to be made through what you would, I guess you would call clickbait with people seeing shit of like everybody's dying and it certainly is not a fun time but sometimes i wonder as i always right. do how accurate the picture we are actually getting from the news media is it, it i mean at first i felt like it was too glib it was too light oh mm-hmm. we're gonna be fine nothing no nothing to worry about and now i feel like maybe right. the the ramifications have hit home and now people are kind of swinging the other way Easy for me to say. I mean, I'm, I'm in. Um, I'm in. I live in lockdown. So, <laughs> welcome to my fucking well, world. <laughs> right, right. Well, hey, man, this, this is, gives us some more like uh, like uh, empathy for each other, and that's always a good thing. But hey, I can tell you this from what you're saying, um, from a firsthand experience here uh, uh, in LA, what that was like. Um, because fortunately, uh, we've been following the story since before it became part of like major news media here in in the country. Um, because um, because we have friends over in Europe, uh, in Italy, and uh, you know we kind of saw some of the stuff firsthand and just kept an eye on it. And there was a couple times where you know it just it started to filter into uh, everyday life here. Um, hearing people talking about it at the grocery store, um, but it was more like a passing conversation. People weren't talking about it much. And then after the speech, it was like boom, go and like get what what you need right now because the world might end. We should talk about that, about that, like how this works into the book of revelations and all of that stuff, like what people must be leaving, must be believing around the country. Um, there was one day, I, I'll, I'll just say this real quick to finish up that thought. There was one day 
where I went to the grocery store like in the middle of the afternoon to get to, to, to get a couple things. And, uh, and and then I went back home and I was like, oh, there's something I forgot. So I went back out and it was happening the same day as the speech. When I went back out at like almost closing time at like 1130 at night, uh, 11 o'clock at night, they were slammed. And I was all of a sudden there was that immediate response. People, you know, trying to just get what they could. Well, so well that's how I saw it. Firsthand. Well, and here's the thing. It's like. I don't understand the toilet paper thing. You can't eat fucking toilet paper. Do you have any insight on that? Because to me, I would. I wish I would have got some, some more soups, more canned goods, maybe some, you know, freeze dried shit. Uh, email, I got like an order from <laughs> from Jim Baker or some shit. The televangelist toilet paper. I'm I'm actually yeah. I'm, I'm actually I'm actually running out of toilet paper because some these crazy motherfuckers. What are you going to do? What are you going to do at the end? You're going to sit in your bunker and eat mouthful of toilet paper, you dumb sacks of shit? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't think, I honestly don't think you can apply much logic to the widespread uh, adoption of toilet paper frenzy of 2020. Um, I imagine it this way. I think it started off with people thinking ahead. And, and then the other people who don't think ahead started to notice it. And they were like, well, everybody's getting this. So I better do it, too. And they like, like, well, I'm just going to get all of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you just like sitting on a nest of it down in your basement. Like you said, here's the thing. I think we talked about I me. Like the luxury. Of it. <laughs> I think me and Miss K talked about this on the last episode. Just get can't you get a wet rag? Wouldn't that be the same as a, as toilet paper? Probably more environmentally friendly, maybe not as sanitary, but. Just a wet rag. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not above well, using I'm, a wet rag to wipe my ass. Well, that's good to know. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think that might that could be a reality here soon. <laughs> okay, so let's switch real quickly to the CCF Youth Group. As you saw with the song "Me" that I wrote and you produced for me, it was really well done. I kind of want to get people's mind off shit as much as possible. So I thought one of the ways we could do that is to get in our little time machine and go back to where we first met, which was the, I think it's still a thing, youth group. And my memory of that was like the main church was like a big brick building. Pretty, pretty nice little church. I I actually got married in that church. Do you remember that? Yeah, you did. That's right. I forgot about that. And uh, we should probably, what, are we going to change the name just to keep the... The identity innocent. Yeah, I'll blank it out. But for the sake of uh, the sake of your listener, there, I'm trying to give some some uh, some background to it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we, we can yeah. call it we can call it CCF. That could be anything. Let's, let's call it CCF. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I mean, oh, I, I just uh, where do we even begin with that? Did here? Here's a question: Did we meet at CCF, or did we meet? like in the neighborhood and then ended up like hanging out at that place. My memory is like there was the school a block away and I would come up yep. and skateboard at that school and that school was affiliated or run by that church. And I, I went to that school and, and, and at quitting time or whenever where the kids would get out, I, I would, I would take off my shirt like a fucking hooge <laughs> and do like power slides all up and down the parking lot and to some consternation to some of the teachers. And I don't, I don't remember your mom initially being all that comfortable with me, but, but I, to be honest, I wouldn't have been that comfortable with me. I, I don't know why I had to take my shirt off. I, I don't know why I took my shirt off. It was really weird. And then we met up there and then you were like, yep. 
hey, dude, you should come to my youth group, which the big church, like across the, like there was a driveway, across the driveway was a, was a smaller brick building, which was where the youth group happened. You invited me. Do you have, do you have any memory of inviting me to that? Cause that's, that's my memory of it. Well, yeah. Well, um, I wasn't that specific, but that was what I was thinking is like, that sounds like I probably invited you there. Like, dude, I think that like, yeah, like your look, like people, uh, some of the people who, because <laughs> I went to that school and that church for a long time, and uh, and they were very conservative, right? And they see like this skier with the shirt off. They're like, <laughs> I was just surprised to find out that you believe some of the same things I did. I was like, what? Who is this guy? Yeah, bring him to the youth group because that'll be hilarious. And we'll, we'll like all like, we can just like be a little bit cooler than like what's going on. Like that's probably what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, look, someone who's real. <laughs> Well, I was like I was like the guy that couldn't get into Metallica. You know what I'm saying? Like the 80s metal band, that's what I was going for. Like the guy yeah. that that like I guess Danzig or some like like punk band. But to be honest, I was nothing like what I what people saw me as. I was I didn't do drugs, I didn't drink. I didn't have sex till I was married, didn't look at pornography um much. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, right, yeah, that's how it goes. But but I I carried myself in this way that said, "Don't fuck with me. I'm a fucking devil worshiper." Well, and it didn't help Dude, that yeah. I that I had yeah, that I had listen to thrash music on your awesome boombox. Yeah, I still have that. I'm I'm looking at it right now. It's it's on by my feet in the bunker with the, all of its like presidential fitness sticker awards on it. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that was about. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was that was how we met, and you. I mean, I'm surprised that anybody wanted me in that building because they were like, "Does this does this asshole ever wear a shirt?" <laughs> I know, right? They were, well, I'm sure that like people, like I bet you do. Like people were a little bit freaked out, but then there was probably like some girls and you saw you like walk in, and they were like, "Who's this guy?" Like from an '80s movie, you know? <laughs> like if you had been aware of it, you could have like dominated the whole place and ruled it. Don't you think? Well, remember one of those ladies uh, grew up, and I married her. (laughs) 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 It's true. Yep, yep, it's true. So, okay, here's a here's a random random fact that popped into my head when you mentioned the building that we would meet in this youth group in. Okay, do you remember this building? Uh, let's let's give it give it a, a sample of like like how would we describe the scale of this tiny building that lived next door to this church? It, um, was, it was basically like a two car garage. Basically, is what it was. Right, maybe a little bit longer than a garage. Yeah, do you yeah. know what that building originally was built for? Here's a fun fact: lawnmowers. No. no, that building was originally built to be the volunteer firefighter station for that neighborhood. What? Like, 30s or 40s yeah okay that's very strange somehow appropriate and it was annexed they bought that property that's why they called that building the annex at the church like they like that little tiny church would define it that was the annex because they annexed that property isn't that crazy big power move there Yeah. Well, I actually, you know, I kind of, I kind of dig it though. At the same time, anyway, it just pops to my head. I thought that was an interesting fact that then, you know, it was a firefighter's station ended up being a youth group. The first time I come to youth group, I come in and I think I came in with a guy. We'll just we'll call him Corey. We won't give his last name. 
Corey was one of my skateboard buddies, and he also went to the school. And we walk in, and let's just say Corey did not have a stellar reputation amongst the teachers and people that knew him. And so, I mean, I, yeah. I I really didn't know that. I didn't really know that Corey was like had a like the the scarlet letter or whatever the fuck. So I come in with Corey, and we sit down, and I remember I won't say his name, but your uncle was running the thing at the time. Do you remember that? Or no, Naomi's uncle. Naomi's uncle was running it. Remember? Oh man, yes, dude. I totally forgot about that. Did you know that he was my sixth grade teacher? Uh, I knew he was a teacher, and I knew there was some question about his uh, teaching ability. Let's just put it that way. That would be a whole podcast episode. That's probably a therapy session, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I come in, and I sit down, and I remember we're like, there was some, we did we did the singing, and I would never sing in my normal voice. I would always sing, like, basso profondo, like, <laughs> because I was I was I was self conscious about my voice and I didn't want to sing out, which is kind of weird now because that's all I do is fucking sing. And <clears throat> after the singing, I believe we sat in some kind of prayer circle or something. And and uh, my lady's uncle, I remember him saying, I think he said the word um, omnipresent, and he said, "Does anybody here know what the word omnipresent is?" And I was the only one that raised my hand. And I knew it. And he looked at me like, holy shit, we got fucking Rain Man in here. <laughs> it was the weirdest feeling. And I, and I, I was like, I guess I shouldn't have known that. But but I, I read, I at that point, I had read the Bible like three times. I knew shit. The other kids in the youth group didn't know. And I should say, I guess I was about 15 or 16 at this time, somewhere around in there. And that would have made you about, what, yeah. 12 or 13? No, I think I would have been probably 13 or 14. I'm trying to think what our age difference is, but if you were like 50, yeah, I was probably like 13. Right so, that age. so what did you yeah. think? What did you think when me and Corey came strolling up with our skateboards and our giant, I had the giant like sweaty cross necklace on that was all corroded from my body sweat. Yeah. Um, I, I was cool with it. Like I'm always just been kind of like, always want to like chill with anybody. So like, but I was curious. And then when I found out that, uh, that you played music too. Like that was literally dude, probably I probably met you maybe definitely less than a year than when I started writing songs. So when I found out you were interested in it too, I was like, Oh wow, that's cool. Well, maybe we should work on stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so I thought that was interesting because I, that was kind of a weird thing to do in our neighborhood. You know, I we were probably <laughs> the only two people who were recording with a rock band, you know, like trying to be a rock band in our neighborhood. Well, well we were, and I remember the first song you wrote, was called the price and it was kind of hymnal it's very it was, it was very it religious. definitely was but but at the time i mean we can make fun of it all we want but that was the song that i was like this guy can actually play the piano and it wasn't it wasn't like anything crazy but it was well done it sounded like the shit we sang at yeah. church and certainly those songs weren't anything to write home about and i dug your shit more than i dug the shit <laughs> i was singing at my church well, you know, you know what? It had a, it had a hook, and uh, so that proves to me, like even that, I was able to write, you know, like a catchy hook and kind of pull you into the song. And and that being said, I mean, you know, listen, I was 13 years old writing a song on a piano. Um, I had started taking piano lessons a few years before that, but man, that's a whole other thing. Like I would frustrate my piano teacher like crazy because I would like memorize the pieces and then start doing very variations on it because I just wanted to create 
and uh, she would get mad at me. So eventually I convinced my mom to let me quit piano lessons because my dad, who was a music major, he started to teach me chords. And so I was like, I just need to learn chord theory and I can like play anything. So I got my mom to convince me to, or I, I got, I convinced my mom to let me quit piano lessons. And, and then I started just writing songs. I still got a suitcase full of songs. We were going through them the other day. Remember that? We should go through that sometime. Yeah, that was, that was, that was cool. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. Right. Because I would just sit there and just write stuff. Um, and then like I met you and I knew that you had some way to record. And I was like, you're releasing an album. Like you told me you were like, finishing. <laughs> And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, God damn. It was the coping. Yes, it was. And that was full. There was, there was a couple good tracks on there. Alone on the Moon was on there. Alone on the Moon is classic. Wasn't, right? wasn't I, I'll Never Fall in Love Again on there, too? Dude, I think it might have been. I think it I was. Mean, those are actually two, like, decently written songs. I mean, Alone on the Moon... That sounds like a song. Like it, you could take that and totally do anything with it, and it would be like a viable song still. I mean, I'm not just saying this to stroke myself, which I do quite a bit, but I do actually. <laughs> that that's actually. I mean, it stands up, and I mean, most of the shit I did didn't. That one did, yeah. and and I do remember. I do remember at that particular time. I guess this would have been about ninety five, ninety four, somewhere around. Like the the great Beatle resurgence was getting ready to start. Oh, by the way, did you hear they 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 repainted Abbey Road because nobody's on the street no more? Really? In England, yeah, I saw pictures of it. They actually are repainting the crosswalk because people are not walking on it for the first time in however many fucking years. Wow, I was just there a few months ago. Yeah, too. that yeah. is that's pretty crazy. Man, can I just say that that was a crazy, like, kind of a surreal experience. I didn't get to go into the studio yet. One of these days, I, I, I am going to go in there. Um, I, I just figured next time I'm over there, I'll just book some time. That way I can take a tour of the studio. Sure. But, uh, yeah, they make it easy to do that. Uh, a little plug for Abbey Road. They're still one of the best recording studios in the world. Um, but, obviously, we love them because that's the Beatles. And uh, so it was just a weird thing to be there. And, like, you know what the funniest thing um, taking away from that moment was did what, I did I tell what, you about this? What's that? Tell me. Lay it on me. So we got there like right at sunrise, which pro tip that ended up to be the best time, unless if there's a virus, a pandemic, that's a good time to go take your Andrew <laughs> picture. Apparently. But uh, if you get there right at sunrise, then there's not as many people there yet. But literally, um, just as the sun came up, more and more people started filtering in within like 15, 20 minutes. There's a bunch of people there already. And uh, the funniest thing was is to see people try to pose like in the picture, like people's minds when they see someone frozen in a walking pattern, they think, oh, they just stood in the road and stuck their arms and legs out. Yeah. Yeah. So people were like they were like goose stepping across the road, (laughs) trying to look like what they imagined their mind would look like in the picture. And it was so funny because they're like marching across the road and being like very comical. It was one of the best things ever. It's a simple pleasure. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, the Beatles just—they they never thought that this shit would still be going. So they would just—they just marched, they just walked across the street. I mean, McCartney didn't have yeah. shoes on. He—I mean—and and Harrison was smoking a cigarette. You can't even see Lennon's face, and Ringo was just being Ringo. So I mean, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally because it was—it uh, was—they just made like a a call to be like, let's just get this over with. Like there was like this elaborate photo shoot plan. The album was going to be called Everest. They were going to go and take a picture at Mount Everest. It was this big, huge production. And then they were like, oh, let's just go fucking this and fuck across the road, man. That's like, it, 
That's like every episode of Live Dudes ever. We have this grand plan. Of, <laughs> let's just fucking let's just fucking talk and shit. Which is, I mean, let, let's face it, the Everest photo is as cool as it sounds. It wouldn't have been as iconic as the walking across the road. That was, it was some. Sometimes the best ideas happen quickly. I'm not saying. I'm not I, saying. Absolutely. I'm not saying that this this song I made for my son is any level of Beatles or nothing, but. I wrote it in 10 minutes, maybe less, sitting on the porch watching my son play. And that, and to me, I've gotten more feedback on that song about that little lost van on, than I've got yeah. on prob- probably my last three or four things combined. It's just simple. Sometimes it's simple. It's a simple little honest thing, man. And you really— like, And the stuff that I, that I was privileged enough to add on to it like, totally came from that place of like the Beatles, like, kind of like a, like a little Mellotron thing in the back. Well, just totally lent it to that. Well, know? what what I mean, and people that know me can look it up. I'm not going to say my real name on this show. It's not J Mac, but what you, <laughs> what you what you added reminded me of something that sort of like uh like a song that Lennon or McCartney or George or even Ringo would have sung for their kid. It was it, it really gave it yes. that Beatle feel. And my friend uh, David from the UK. Um, he was blown away by it. And he actually, before I gave it to you, attempted to do some stuff to it. And he was, he was frustrated. He's a, he also has Parkinson's and he's a piano player, but I could tell, I could tell he was intimidated by it. And when I sent him what, what you had put on it, he was like, whole nother level dog. But he didn't say it like that. Was, <laughs> yeah. That, um, yeah, I totally agree, man. Like. I feel like it just kind of did its its own thing. Like I just was trying to like accent what you already created, so, and uh, it makes me think maybe we should make a children's album someday. It'd be kind of fun. I always felt like since I've been getting into Sinatra, Sinatra really missed the boat by not doing a children's album. He did. It ain't easy being green. And can you imagine Frank Sinatra, the chairman of the board, singing like A B C D one two three. <laughs> <laughs> doobie 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 three plus three or whatever you know <laughs> yeah but it would have been great so i mean there's something to be said for that but let's get back to the youth group speaking of children shit so i mean i remember okay. i remember going to this youth group for I, I was about a year and i remember at one point uh my lady's uncle stepped aside and a guy named fred took over and i think yep. you would you would be better at describing fred because i might be a little bit mean i don't want to be uh-huh. mean and i think you, you're you're you are <laughs> yeah. nicer than i am and you were closer to him i just i, I i'm afraid um, to say, i'm afraid and, and for the first yeah. time in my life I, I mean i don't have any bad feelings about fred but he was a strange dude strange dude he's a strange dude um what would i say to fred today i would say i would be go on weight watchers motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> okay well i guess I thought, I thought you said I was the one that was going to talk about Fred. <laughs> um, I think that he was a, a very passionate person who really believed in yes. what he based his life on. Yes. Life on. Like yes. He really, truly, wholeheartedly bought into that idea. And so for that, I have respect for him because he was able to adjust his life for something that he passionately believed in. Passionately believed in. Um, that doesn't happen often. Now, the th- things that he believed in, I think, um, put him at odds with the rest of the world. And so that's where the problems ended up happening. And, you know, I, I think that 
uh, that he was trying his best um, to do what he does. And he did have some charisma. He still does, as far as I know, has charisma. And, you know, for one sense, for the groups, the circles that he ran in growing up, he was like the perfect youth pastor. I think it was just weird in our town. And, uh, yeah, so that's all I'll say. I mean, you know, he was a dude that was trying his best. (laughs) Well, he was very genuine, and I remember that he continued to reach out not only to me, but to the the guy I mentioned, Corey, who was just a shit disturber from way back. And he he would continue to invite us. But I remember the tipping point because there were, were, I mean, for one thing, I went because I had, you were a friend there, but there were also girls there, which I kind of, I didn't know very many girls. And at one point he made an edict. He said, this is the house of the Lord. And in the house of the Lord, you guys need to dress respectable. Do you remember this shit? Yeah, I sort of do. Yep. And I, I felt... Was it because of your long hair? I don't know that it was because of my hair, but I felt like it was directed at my shorts and t-shirt, which, let's be, let's be honest, a youth group oh, should... Oh, God, yeah, that's worse than long hair. You yeah. Don't wear shorts and t-shirt. No, you no. wear a tie and a collar and slacks when you go to meet with God. Because, because God... That's important to God, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. So you your best. So I, me and Corey, being the shit, I was. I, I'll include myself on the shithead end on this one. We were like, all right, these motherfuckers, and I wouldn't. I didn't cuss back then. I was like, these motherfuckers want us to look churchy. I was like, let's get some suit coats and wear them over our our stained t-shirts and bag, baggy shorts. <laughs> I remember that. Do you remember that shit? That was the last. Yes, that was the last time I ever fucking came. Wow, I remember that now. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, I was kind of a shithead. So I I had my, like, some, one of my dad's, like, polyester leisure suit things from, like, the 1978 or whatever that I wore over my, my blood-soaked Jesus t-shirt. And, uh, and, and Corey did the same, and we came in, and it was like you could hear a pin drop, and I, I could tell that Fred, the youth pastor, was like, God damn it! I didn't think they were gonna do actually come back to this fucking thing. I mean, he was he was he didn't he yeah. was not a cussing man, but I mean, I will say he was no. very genuine. But I feel like he was he was just misguided. And uh, that, you know what? I, yeah, you know what? I think part of that was I feel like if I'm being totally honest, and I don't mean this is any any disrespect if you were ever were to hear this, but I feel like he had such an image in his mind of what he imagined this youth group was going to be and by the way it was like 2,000 times more people and bigger than what he imagined it was that you know or he thought it was going to be this like 12 people in the small room and I felt like he was trying to fit it into that and was like maybe a little bit out of touch with what people actually where they were at so that was probably one of the things that was really frustrating because we felt like we were being like forced into a to to a pattern an idea I remember getting an argument with him about the Beatles. Oh yeah, you know? and I remember like talking about the about the generation and being like, you know, um, it's cool that there's not just one style for everything. It's like, but then like people don't have any focus. <laughs> like, why is you know? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I will say, I will say, we didn't have much uh, wiggle room in our rebellion, but the Beatles certainly uh, made waves that w- were really surprising, considering at that point. It had, they had been around for 30 years. It was, it was not new. Right. I mean, we could have been bringing Pearl Jam or Smashing Pumpkins or Oasis or fucking 
Slayer, God forbid, or whatever, whatever fucking shit we would dig up from like what I call real music. And, but we were into Larry, we were into Larry Norman and the Beatles, dude. And, and, and I feel like we didn't even, we didn't even dabble in the stones. Cause I mean, the stones are kind of, they're, I mean, they're kind of seedy, which I love the stones, but we, we were keeping it yeah. with like, I want to hold your hand. I mean, it wasn't like, I think, right. I think they were worried that, that the bridge would be made between the Beatles and drugs. That's kind of, that's kind of what I felt, which I mean, I didn't try drugs and I, I didn't, didn't either until later. And it was only really weed. And, uh, and I wish right. I could still smoke weed, but where are a 15 year old kid that goes to church youth group going to get LSD? I, I mean, I still don't know where to get LSD. <laughs> I think that if we had looked hard enough, we could have found that stuff. Oh, I'm but sure. I think what's interesting too is like, you know, I mean, some of that other stuff from that time period filter in for me. You know, like I remember just, but it was a whole different kind of mentality. I don't know how strict it was for you, but like the the message that I received most of the time growing up, which is now just seems really weird, um, but at the time seemed normal because it's all I knew was you only listen to music written by other Christians, which doesn't make any sense because aren't those people listening to what's popular? Because they were obviously copying like what was out there. But it was like like youth leaders believed that if you had like a frontline defense who were the artists, they would filter out like all the bad stuff and you could just get the cool music. And some of it was atrocious. Some of it was like hilariously bad. Have you ever gone back and listened to any of it recently? Oh, well, we have done at least four episodes on Carmen. Remember Carmen? Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that's that's a perfect example. Um, I had a, a Carmen entered back into my life for a little while when I was in college. I went to a, a very different kind of a, of a conservatory performing arts school. And uh, Carmen reared his ugly head there a couple times in, like, <laughs> the art that we made. That's a that's a story for another podcast, but uh, yeah, he was a very this very preachy. He had these story songs, and man, you know, like he he writes songs now about like supporting Trump. I don't know if you knew. No, that. Like, no, he's writing like some crazy shit. No, I saw him. I mean, if if anybody is is looking to delve into the archives of live dudes, we do we do. I think I think the episode is called Satan Bite the Dust. It, I mean, it's it's back there uh, a few years. <laughs> And I'm I am three shades of fucking stoned on my out of my fucking mind, and we make fun of that song. And and I remember seeing him in concert, and and at one point, I mean, the, the premise of the song is like it's it's a western, and he's like going to shoot the devil in the fucking balls or some shit. And at one point, a demon yeah, yeah. a demon comes out, the demon of infirmity, and this kind of implies applies to me. He grabs his crutch and beats the demon over the head with his own fucking crutch. That's fucked up. Really? That's fu- and I saw him do it live. It was fucked up, dude. Yeah, and, and so yeah. That is crazy. So if you ever want to hear the most stone J Mac performance ever, and trust me, it's fucked up. Uh Satan Bite the Dust is probably it's probably around episode one sixty or one seventy, somewhere around in there. And I and but it was All like right. he I mean he was so I mean, I'm gonna drop a word on here, so xenophobic, like in the song. He's talking about like Play that in your fucking temple and like like smashes the yeah, demon yeah. over the head with a sitar or some shit. Just real fucked up. Oh man, and we should do a podcast episode on Carmen sometime. We could talk about a witch's invitation. 
Oh, we did that one too. In fact, it's on it's on the Live Dudes YouTube channel. I synced up the audio. Uh, <sighs> and and it's me and Adam and my cousin Scott. And dude, it's it's we are uh, we are also totally fucking stoned. Dude, that song, I mean, it's fucked up, dude. It's just it's like he had Ouija boards and pentagrams and crystal it's balls. So, it's like, not fucking real. I know. It's so it's so it's crazy. Hey, uh I could add something to that piece on that too, because Sure. Um yeah, yeah. Like when I was in school, like we did different performing arts. One of the things that we did was mime, right? Oh. And we would do like performances to those Carmen songs. No <laughs> Can't believe I'm telling you this, but it's true. Oh. Somewhere I have video of this. I'll have to dig it up. So so that was the end of the youth group story for me was basically when they enforced the dress code and we walked in one time. And to my to my memory, the youth group kind of faded after that. I'm not saying it was because we stopped going. I think the kids just started getting older and it was kind of like a drifting, natural drifting. But but we kept in touch. And that's when I think the Beatle anthology came out, like around the time that I stopped going to youth group. And that's when the Beatle bug well, hit us really bad. Absolutely. Now, if you remember back to that time period. So um, for me, I was a freshman in high school when that documentary came out um me and you by that point we'd already been recording for a while so i think like even though you were out of the youth group you were still like collaborating on stuff at that yeah point. yeah yeah um because i remember but i was in this choir class in high school and there was a dude there uh named chris who was is a big beatles fan too and we would talk about that shit at school and i remember like talking to all you guys like the night that the first episode happened and like free as a bird came on. Oh yeah. Remember the first time seeing that. I felt like I was having an out of body experience. The Beatles are back together again. And little did we know all that shit was going to be like everybody, like Tupac was going to release albums after he was dead. But that was the first time they really yep. like, well, and it was, it was the fucking Beatles. I mean, you, you got to give it, but no, no dude, that was, I got to tell you, that was some of the best TV I've ever watched because my parents couldn't stop yep. me. I think I was at that point, I was like 17 and they, they like, they really didn't have any good reason to not let me watch it at that point. And at that point, yeah, I, I taped that, you know, I actually just watched some of that recently. It's, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. I've got, know? I've got the DVDs and we get them out every once in a while. And there's a bunch of extra stuff on the DVD it, release. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, now, do you remember with this song? Let's just talk about that for a second, if it's cool. Let's. Do you remember like trying to figure out the chords for it and like learn the song in an era before the internet and Shazam? Oh like, yeah, you could have just looked up the lyrics to the song. I still have the memory of the chords I picked out for Norwegian Wood, which are not the actual chords, but that was what I picked out by ear. I think I played it in E. I don't think it was an E. But I mean, like there was no, you couldn't, you couldn't go on AZ lyrics or whatever.com to get your shit. You had to pick the shit out or you had to go buy a book with yep. the, with the, the tablature in it. I mean, I feel like kids nowadays and get off my fucking lawn, but like, it's so, it's <laughs> so easy nowadays to do shit. But I mean, and, I, and I'm glad, but yeah, we and, hold and, your phone up and listen to it and it tells you what the song is now. But it was like a secret code back then. You were like, I figured out fucking yeah. day tripper. Or whatever the fuck, and you'd come over and you'd play it, and then and then it was like the keys to the kingdom. And when you figured it out, even if it wasn't perfect and it was close, 
And that's why yeah. that's why those those early Beatle anthologies are kind of cool where they talk about Lennon and McCartney trying to pick out Chuck Berry songs. Because, I mean, that's basically kind of what we did to their music, like, only 30 years later. That's absolutely correct. You know, it, I always equated it with, like, if we're talking about the Beatles, Paul McCartney. Man, we're getting some Beatles nerd shit here. But, like, Paul McCartney would talk about, like, John Lennon making fun of him for writing his granny songs. So, you know, he's writing back to, like, listening to, like, 1920s and 30s songs, like, when I'm 64 and Honey Pie, um, Martha, My Dear, like, these influenced songs. It's not the the time frame is about the same for us, like listening back into the 60s and calling that back in, which I think is like an, an honest like you step back to. I'm not going to equate myself with like the mainstream mass of the 90s, like that I was anywhere close to as good as them at the point. But I think we were drawn from the same well, because that 60s vibe was really popular in the 90s, too. And it connected it in a really big way. Yeah, the six, the 60s 60... like have been part of that. The 60s had a big resurgence in the 90s. And I would say that I got into music because my dad was into like Petra, which was like the, the rock, Christian wow. rock band at the time, which was like arena rock, which led me into like Striper, which led me into other other things that were metal. But I, I could never play that fast. And I never wrote anything like that that was, sounded good. I and mean, I, I was always drawn when I discovered the Beatles. I was like, this this is music that I can do. I mean, I love Metallica and Slayer and all the. I I can't I can't play like that. And I I mean, frankly, I would never want to be in a band right. like that because I have. I feel like those bands limit as much as I love them. They limit the scope of their their emotional, um, their their emotion to either rage or depression. And I felt like I had yeah. a lot of whimsy and and. And that's why, I mean, it's not a band that we were really into, but that's why I kind of dig some of the early Beastie Boys shit, because they, they were kind of winking at you the whole time. I, I would have never have caught that then, but now I, it's it's hilarious. It's it's like satire half the time. Yeah, and so humor humor has always played a big part in everything I did, because I can't be serious for more than five minutes. And I think a lot of that comes with, <laughs> I think a lot of that comes with the fact that I really, like internally, I have a lot of, I wouldn't say darkness, but but you know what I mean, like a lot of grim feelings and a preoccupation with things that are unpleasant. And so I kind how I deal with that is through lighthearted music and nothing gets me up more than we can work it out by the Beatles or like the songs you referenced like Martha my dear. When I'm yeah. 64, I love that song and and he actually wrote that when he was much younger. I'm sure you know that. Um That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's why that's why I can never reconcile my the dark feelings I had, the dark, I should say the dark fascinations I had with the, with the humorous side of myself, which gave birth to songs like Chainsaws and Whoopee Cushions, which will never see the fucking light of day. Oh, unless I post it. But yes. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. I'm, uh, I'm very happy that we reconnected after all these years. And I feel like that we've done some good stuff and a lot of it has not, some of it has not been heard yet. But I got to give you props, dude. You took that little van song and made it. Like I said to you before, I kind of like I kind of stop halfway with shit. I'm like, here's this is as good as I can do. I did the best I can. And then you were like, <laughs> I said, just put some shakers on it, and you gave me right. an orchestra. And dude, it's it's whole nother level. And I thank you for that. And and Liam, lo- my little boy, my little boy Liam loves it. 
he's we've watched it like 10 times and he's just so over the moon and Naomi giggles every time she sees his little face come up in the camera and we were sitting uh-huh. we were sitting on the couch and I I we were getting ready to go to bed and I said Sway just sent me <laughs> Sway just sent me what he did let's listen to it and she goes do I have to and I was like yes I turned on she's like this is really good and I was like I know it's 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 way better than what my version was so it was really exciting and I'm glad we've hooked up on Skype. We got to do this again. Miss K's having a rough time, guys. She works yeah. in one of the industries that's deemed uh, necessary, and so she has to go to work. I mean, so I mean, like I got a call from her this afternoon, and she was like, "I just don't feel funny." I was like, "That's fine." I was like, "I feel funny all the time, especially when I touch my dingus." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this is this has been this has been great. We definitely got to do this more often. Lockdown or no lockdown, fuck fuck it, we're having fun, dude. This is great, and I can't wait till you guys can come visit us again. Maybe it won't be till fall or winter again. Who knows how long it'll be? But you get you two are fun as fuck, and it's it's always fun to talk to you guys. So uh, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad we got to hook up, and I we, can't. We w- love you, man. Thank you, and I can't wait to listen back we to love this. You, man. I can't wait to listen back to this show. Like I told you the other night, we were listening back to love songs from the Jesus Zone. And and Naomi was like, you keep interrupting him. And I'm like, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Actually, you know what we should do is we should seal up this podcast and do another episode. Let's do yeah. it later on. Let's do it later on because I've got Naomi has downloaded RuPaul's Drag Race and she wants me to come up and listen to it right now. <laughs> All right. Or watch it right now. So there, oh. yeah, there you go. I, I mean, I watch drag queens. I got, I got to say that uh, it makes my lady happy. And and on, on, in, in quarantine, you got to keep your lady happy. So if she wants me to watch men run around in fucking tutus and thongs with <laughs> with paint on their face, and that 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 gets me, and that gets me a donut at the end of the night. If you know what I'm saying, then I'm all for it. All right. Hey, hey. For live dudes, I'm Jay Mack and Sway. Saying if you need a deep cocking, then just come a knocking. All right, I got my good buddy Scott from New Hampshire on the line right now via Skype. What's up, buddy? What is going on, J Mac? All right, well, this is kind of weird. I mean, you've been listening for a long time, and this is the first time that you've ever been on the show, and I got to. I got to say that that's kind of my fault for taking so long to figure it out. Only took the apocalypse for me to figure out how to get the <laughs> the Skype working. Uh, uh, I know this is getting out of control. So tell tell us where you're from. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and how how shit's going up there because shit, for the most part here in Missouri, in Missouri, uh, whatever, is pretty calm. I mean, there's not really people are staying inside. There hasn't been too many cases, but. You're giving me a whole different perspective on what's what it's like up there. Yeah, so I'm from a small town just outside of Manchester, New Hampshire. So how are you guys, I mean, how's the virus being handled up in uh, in New Hampshire? I, I mean... My neck of the woods, it's, I mean, total for New Hampshire, I think it's, it's less than 100 cases right now. That's pretty much where Missouri's at right now. So it's not too bad. Um, now, how far are you from New York? My car is probably um, 
I would probably say six hours, seven hours from New York. Okay, so we're about that far from Chicago, so that's not close at all. I, for some reason, I guess I don't know my geography. I thought you were closer than that. But from what I was, what I've been hearing from our listeners on the West Coast, and what I've been seeing on the news from the East Coast, shit is getting fucked up in New York and L.A. As of last night, they were saying New York has got 56% of the cases throughout the whole U.S. Well, here's the thing. Um, you know this already, but the more people you get packed together, the more chance the virus is going to spread. So I guess if I had to to hope that the smaller communities would be less drastically affected, I think mathematically that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, well, I was reading on my phone last night. A guy up in Concord, New Hampshire, which is the capital of our state, came, had, was tested positive for the, the virus and traveled on the Greyhound bus line to Boston Airport, flew out, came back three different times. You know what Adam would say to that? God damn! God damn! God damn! Um, there you go. Okay, so let's let's uh, we're trying to get people's mind off the virus a little bit. I kind of wanted to just give an update. And just get a little bit about where you're from. So you're you're hanging in there pretty good so far. Oh yeah, we're pretty good so far. Okay, let's talk live dudes. I did not know that you had been listening since the Suburbia Strikes Back days, which is I mean, that's that's like fucking ten years ago. Maybe no yeah, that's, exactly. that's that's longer. That's like eleven or twelve years ago. It might be uh, let me see. I, think, I started listening to you guys before I started working for Pepsi and I've been working at Pepsi now going on eleven years. Yes, it would have been about 12 years. Well, how did you discover Suburbia Strikes Back? For those of you who don't know, that was the podcast LeSueur and I did with our friend JR before Live Dudes. Did, did it just come up recommended, or did somebody tell tell you something about it? I mean, because I'm always want, like curious how people find the show. It came up as a recommendation on my on my browser for a podcast. Oh God, I don't even want to know what you've been listening to if that came up recommended. <laughs> back th- back then, I don't even remember what the hell I was listening to. Nowadays, it's for anything for podcasts. It's just you guys now. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I do listen to. Um, you're gonna laugh at me. I listen to the Office Ladies with Jenna Fisher. Uh, <laughs> I got a huge crush on Jenna Fisher. She's my wallpaper right now. Um, and then I do listen to, you know, Kevin Smith, the guy that did Clerks and Mallrats. Yep. I do listen to his shows, and his buddies have a show called Tell Him Steve Dave, and they were actually on Comic Book. They did the show Comic Book Men. But I don't really – and then I, I do listen to Joe Rogan. I actually watch his clips on YouTube. I find Joe Rogan is probably the top – of the food chain, so to speak. But there's a reason, because he's really good. He's way better than we are. <laughs> I mean, we can't get Elon Musk and fucking Ted Nugent on. Oh, how how do you think Miss K would react to Ted Nugent being on here? Um, he would probably be dead. <laughs> I have a funny feeling we would listen to a murder on the on the podcast. Yeah, you know what? And I would I would keep the record button going the whole fucking time. So the plan here is, um, we'll get back to live dudes in a minute, but um, the plan here is during this weird time in history uh, to just kind of touch base with friends and listeners and 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 whoever that wants to be on the show and just kind of record because I mean I think I think we're all going to look back on this. Granted, we lived through it, and I think these podcasts are, are going to be a good little touchstone 
for us to remember this time. Oh, definitely. So then, so then, Suburbia Strikes Back shuts down, and Live Dudes starts about six months later. Do you get another recommendation, or was it? Or were you? I mean, how did you find Live Dudes? Because we were off the air for a while. Actually, it came up as another recommendation. <laughs> I was just going, I was just going through, and I'm like, Live Dudes. I'm like, oh, I'll check this one out. Then when I heard was you guys, I'm like, all right, I'm back. I'm good. That's awesome. Do you do you have any memory of the time that we gave you shit on the air before we didn't know who you were? You left. I think you left a review on iTunes and you misspelled whiskey, and and I was giving you shit and and uh, off the air, Adam was like, "Dude, you don't 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 be fucking with this guy. You, he's a, he's a listener." And I was like, "I know, but it was fun." Do you have any memory of that? Oh yeah, I do. Fuck oh, these damn. guys! The Fuck these guys! Or to quote Adam. Fuck you! There you go. So, when do you listen to the show? N- normally, I listen to it either driving to, on my commute to and from work. That's dangerous, my friend. Yeah, it, well, especially when I listen to it when I'm on the motorcycle. That's even worse. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I think I actually posted something on our Facebook because you sent me a video of you on, I think it was me and Rusty, and we were talking about something fucked up, and you were you were on your bike, and I remember Rusty telling me, Dude, he should not be listening to this while he's on his motorcycle. Uh, 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 well, you know what? I love, I mean, I got a big old speaker on that thing now, so I can listen to you guys all the time. Do you do you ever get looks? I mean, I guess you're on the road, so you, people don't, but, like, do you ever stop at a stoplight or a stop sign and people are next to you? Do you ever get any looks from that? Oh, yeah. I, I got a good one when I had to play by play porn going on at oh, one time. Oh, my God. I had a group of old ladies next to me, and they're just staring at me I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> was that the one where we were doing the thongs? Uh-huh. Oh, God, that's that was the best one. I don't know if we're ever going to top that. Um, well, here's here's the the rule for play-by-play porno, and you know this because you've listened. If if anybody starts getting aroused, it gets shut off. Um, so we pick things that should not arouse us now that episode they claim i i they i did say i got a boner but i don't really i don't really remember getting a boner i remember saying i had a boner but they were convinced adam was convinced i had wood in my pants i don't know i don't know but yeah that's why he adam, picked, adam was convinced you had wood in your pants every time you saw him oh yeah me dude that's the thing that's the thing about lasseur one time um back when i was a little healthier i was mowing the lawn and i had my shirt off and he came over, and I was in the backyard, and he kind of walked down around, because like, we got a walkout, and I think I was coming in in and out of the walkout or something with my shirt off. I don't know, probably getting a drink of water. And he looked me up and down, and I, I felt like a bitch, dude. I was like, no! He was going to make you a bitch, I think. I think, uh, yeah. I I don't know, but I do miss that guy. Um but he still kind of lives on through the sound clips. I mean, he, let, let's face it. We've got, I think, over 200 episodes with him on it. So, And we still get, we still get traffic through those old episodes. So somewhere, somewhere up in heaven, Adam is smiling down, going, Oh, really? Oh, I guarantee it. So this has been a good combo, dude. I, I mean, I hope we... What I'm, tr- I'm going to try to do is get maybe... Oh, I have a news article we're going to get to before we before I let you go. But I'm hoping to maybe give you 
something to do from time to time. I don't know, maybe movie review or maybe maybe we'll just check in from time to time if I find a, a news article that I think you'll dig. Oh, definitely. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do one article here before we end. This is some virus news, kind of. With clubs closed for COVD, COVID-19, strippers in Portland, Oregon, take to topless food delivery. I, I'm, right, a, I'm, moving, I'm moving to Oregon. When fears of COVID-19 pandemic first started circulating, Brody Grody, I swear that's the name, that's the Brody Grody, a stripper in Portland, Oregon, saw her income dwindle to about half of what it usually was. And she was only given, uh, you know, 10 blowjobs a day as opposed to 20. No, it didn't say that. People were scared, she says. They were going out less. They were buying fewer lap dances and sitting at the stage less because they were worried about getting too close to us. Well, I mean, not for nothing, but um, in this environment, should you really be going to a strip club where there's naked women in front of you? I mean, it seems like, I mean, I go to touch. I don't, I don't, I, I go to get up close to them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Then when Governor Kate Brown announced last week she would be shutting down all restaurants and bars in Oregon, Grody's already dwindling income was wiped out completely, she said. We really needed to step it up and start hustling. Uh, is that is that, uh, is that a euphemism there? Like hustling like on the street corner? I mean, <laughs> God, I love strippers, but I don't know. Grody's boss, Lucky Devil Lounge, owner Sean Bolden, stumbled on a solution. Following Governor Brown's edict, Bolden tweeted that uh, though the restaurant strip club would have to close, they, oh, it's a restaurant and a strip club? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. They were working on how to keep their employees working, and he joked that he would provide a service where the dancers would deliver food topless. Is that legal? I don't think that's legal. Free the nipple. it It all depends on what state you're in, I think. Uh, well, if it was if it was Missouri and, and, and the area we live in right now, no, this is the, like the Bible Belt of America. No, no, no. It's, I mean, my neighbors would fucking freak out if they saw big titty bitches uh, delivering pizza. I would freak out too, but in a good way. Oh yeah, me too. When customers started asking him if he would deliver to their area, I was like, "Holy shit, this may be something that actually works." From this tweet. Boober Eats was born. I swear to Jeebus, that's what it's called. Boober Eats. Boober Eats. For a $30 delivery fee, a sum is split between the club employees. So I guess the if they have two strippers, they gotta they gotta split it. I'm not sure how that works. Customers can order a burger and fries or a salad or a steak or a case of gonorrhea to their homes where two dancers will show up accompanied by a driver security guard. Oh, okay. Well there you go. Equipped with masks, gloves, and hand sanitizers, the dancers deliver food to the customer's doorstep. That sounds... I don't think that's sexy, dude. I mean, if you want to talk about big boobs, but if they start coming up with masks and shit, I don't... I don't... Okay. Though the... Here we, here we go. Though the initial plan was to have them deliver food topless, at a certain point we decided we probably shouldn't be sending topless girls to random people's houses. Punk. Punk calls. Prank calls. You know what I'm saying? Like some some oh, yeah. some old lady gets two fucking big big old swinging udders coming up to her. Yeah. So we're doing it more PC. The toned down version clad in nipple pasties. Ooh, okay, I like the sound of that. 
The women walk up to a customer's door, leave the food on the doorstep, then take off their sweaters and, quote, bounce around. I'm back in, dude. Yeah, I think I'm there. I'm good. So I feel like that's the spirit of American ingenuity right there. That's America at work. Keep oh, definitely. Make America great again. <laughs> uh, now, if we only had a strip club up by me, I'd be all set. Well, in uh, St. Charles, which is kind of outside St. Louis, there's nothing like that. Now, about 20 minutes away, there's a place called Rhonda's, and that's a pasty bar. And they do serve frozen pizza. I don't know if they would deliver. I don't know if I'd pay to have a frozen pizza delivered and the, the girls at Rhonda's you can walk in and there could be a 10 or there could be a two you never know what you're going to get yeah that sounds like some of the ones we have because i uh where i work in massachusetts next state down they have a bunch of them down there you would walk in some of them and that's how it was but it wasn't a 10 it was more like uh you would walk in you would make it a seven or a one. Oh no that's no no i mean if i walk in anywhere and i see a one Dude, I would laugh. I think I would laugh. That's what I would do 90% of the time and just walk back out again. Here's the story. I was in Rhonda's. I was in Rhonda's, and this girl, she was she was probably about a 7 or... Yeah, she was probably about a 7 or 8. She was on the stripper pole, and she was doing that thing where they bend that... Where they grab onto the pole and then slide down with their, with their feet in the air. Yeah. Well, she let go of the pole too soon and hit the deck really fucking hard. And I started laughing. Oh, boy. And Adam was with me. And at Rhonda's, you don't go up to the table to give them tips. They come to your table to get the tips. Both times this bitch danced, she she wouldn't even come up to my table. I was going to give her a fucking dollar. Nope, she wouldn't even come up to my table. Bitch, you fell off the goddamn pole. That's fucking funny. I don't care who you are. It ain't my fault that you, that it was too slippery from your cum juices or whatever the fuck was on that pole. Oh. <laughs> oh, so so the I cream pie was leaking out. Yeah. So on that <laughs> on that note, I will leave leave it till next time because I think this was a good combo and uh, it's it's good to have you on the show, dude. I mean, we've we've talked for at least a year or two, like either through email or whatever. So it's great to to meet some of the listeners, and I would consider you a friend now because we've been we've been talking so long. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, Scott. All right. I'm almost home anyway, so it was good talking to you. Good seeing you for the first time. Yeah. We'll talk soon. All right. You take care. All right.